Well, hello there, my friend. You are listening to Real English Radio. I'm your English teaching, podcasting, football-loving host, Tony Kai Zen. And in the last episode, I spoke about the only way to feel prepared for a conversation with anyone. And today we're going to dive deeper into that topic and talk about the actual making of a conversation. Because after listening to the last episode, you might have thought to yourself, okay, cool. If I want to improve my communication skills, I just need to communicate. But how am I supposed to do that? Well, this episode will at least give you a starting point. I came across this article written by a man named Adam Mastroianni, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, it looks like an Italian name. I'm not sure. If there's an Italian person listening to this, I apologize. They probably fucking hate me right now. But anyway, he's a postdoctoral research scholar at Columbia Business School. Adam studies how people perceive and misperceive their social worlds, and he writes about it in his blog, Experimental History, and I'll leave a link to his blog in the show notes for this episode. Now, the title of this article is Good Conversations Have Lots of Doorknobs, and a doorknob is the handle we use to open and close a door, right? You grab onto it, you twist it, and then you pull the door open, right? And in fact, you might also hear it referred to as door handle. Okay, now for getting technical, a knob, K-N-O-B, knob, the K is silent, a knob is a circular object, while a handle is typically long and flat or cylindrical. But that has nothing to do with the episode. It's just important that you understand what a doorknob is because this entire article is based on it. Okay, and in this article, Adam explains how the clash of the take and take mentality versus the give and take mentality is what causes some conversations to be incredibly interesting and fulfilling, while others are very dry and unpleasant. So if you find yourself struggling to make conversation with people, especially strangers, then this article is going to give you a new way of looking at communication and a better understanding of how conversations work. And the best part is that the insights in this article can be applied immediately. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to get access to bonus episodes or you just want to support my work, you can click the link in the description and subscribe on Patreon. But now, without further ado, my friend, let's get into this article. All right, here we go. I used to perform in an improvised musical comedy show where we could burst into song at any time. You'd be doing a scene about, say, bringing your boyfriend to Thanksgiving for the first time and having to explain to your parents that he's Spider-Man. And all of a sudden, the pianist would thunder out some chords and now you're singing something like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, that's who I'm dating, mom and dad. Will he eat? Do not ask. He will not remove his mask. Doing this on the spot is really hard. And the trick that kept us afloat was called Take and Take of Focus meaning that whoever was singing had to keep going until someone jumped in to take the spotlight from him, which should happen quickly and often. And though it's nearly impossible to invent a whole funny song, you can probably fire off a verse, your teammate can come in with the chorus, and if you can do that twice and toss some harmony on top, the audience will go wild. For me, learning take and take suggested a solution not just to songs about Spider-Man, but to a scientific mystery. I was in graduate school at the time, running studies aimed at answering the question, do conversations end when people want them to? I watched a stupefying number of conversations unfold, 
some of them blooming into beautiful repartee, others collapsing into awkward silences. Why did some conversations unfurl and others wilt? One answer, I realized, may be the clash of take and take versus give and take. Givers think that conversations unfold as a series of invitations. Takers think conversations unfold as a series of declarations. When giver meets giver, or taker meets taker, all is well. When giver meets taker, however, giver gives, taker takes, and giver gets resentful. Why won't he ask me a single question? While taker has a lovely time, she must really think I'm interesting. Or gets annoyed. My job is so boring. Why does she keep asking me about it? It's easy to assume that givers are virtuous and takers are villainous, but that's giver propaganda. Conversations, like improv scenes, start to sink if they sit still. Takers can paddle for both sides, relieving their partners of the duty to generate the next thing. It's easy to remember how lonely it feels when a taker refuses to see the spotlight to you, but easy to forget how lovely it feels when you don't want the spotlight and a taker lets you recline on the mezzanine while they fill the stage. When you're tired or shy or anxious or bored, there's nothing better than hopping on the back of a conversational motorcycle, wrapping your arms around your partner's waist and holding on for dear life while they rocket you to somewhere new. Takers are especially valuable when you add more minds to the mix. Some of my research is about how turn-taking works differently in two-person versus multi-person conversations. When it's just you and me, taking turns is easy. You go. I go. Repeat. When it's you and me and Nina and Marlon, who should talk next? It's often unclear, so we all stand around waiting for someone else to take their turn or to invite us to take ours. Givers try to salvage these situations by turning them into laborious seminar discussions. Why don't we all say what we thought about the movie? Takers, on the other hand, simply make conversation happen. That movie sucked and anybody who liked it can fight me. When we're all standing on the perimeter of an empty dance circle, takers are the martyrs who will launch themselves into the middle and do the stanky leg. While takers deserve some redemption, Givers deserve some scrutiny. On day one of Improv 101, they'll tell you not to ask questions in a scene because it puts undue pressure on your partner. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm making things up in an improv scene. Similarly, refusing to take the spotlight in a conversation may seem generous, but in fact, it can burden the other person to keep the show going. What's up? is one of the most dreadful texts to get. It's short for, hello, I'd like you to entertain me now. And asking your partner question after question and resenting them when they don't return the favor isn't generosity. It's social entrapment. Like not telling your friends that it's your birthday and then seething that they didn't get you a cake. Neither givers nor takers have it 100% correct and their conflicts often come from both sides' insistence that the other side must convert or die. Rather than mounting an inquisition on our interlocutors, 
we ought to focus on perfecting our own technique. And the way to do that, I think, is by adding a bunch of doorknobs. When done well, both giving and taking create what psychologists call affordances, features of the environment that allow you to do something. Physical affordances are things like stairs and handles and benches. Conversational affordances are things like digressions and confessions and bold claims that beg for a rejoinder. Talking to another person is like rock climbing, except you are my rock wall and I am yours. If you reach up, I can grab onto your hand and we can both hoist ourselves skyward. Maybe that's why a really good conversation feels a little bit like floating. What matters most, then, is not how much we give or take, but whether we offer and accept affordances. Takers can present big, graspable doorknobs. I kind of get creeped out when couples treat their dogs like babies. Or not. Let me tell you about the plot of the movie Must Love Dogs. Good taking makes the other side want to take too. I know. My friends asked me to be the godparent of their schnauzer. It's so crazy. What? Was there a ceremony? Similarly, some questions have doorknobs. Why do you think you and your brother turned out so different? And some don't. How many of your grandparents are still living? But even affordanceless giving can be met with affordanceful taking. I have one grandma still alive. And I think about all this knowledge she has, how to raise a family, how to cope with tragedy, how to make chocolate zucchini bread, and how I feel anxious about learning from her while I still can. There's some recent evidence that what makes conversations pop off is indeed the social equivalent of doorknobs. You might think that the best conversationalists wait patiently for their partners to finish talking before they start concocting a response in their head. It turns out that we like people the best when they respond to us the fastest. So fast that they must be formulating their reply long before we finish our turn. Abundant affordances allow for this rapid-fire rapport, each utterance offering an obvious opportunity to respond. A few unfortunate psychological biases hold us back from creating these conversational doorknobs and from grabbing them when we see them. We think people want to hear about the exciting stuff we did without them. I went to Budapest. When they actually are happier talking about mundane stuff we did together. Remember when we got stuck in traffic driving to D.C.? We overestimate the awkwardness of deep talk, and so we stick to the boring, affordanceless shallows. Conversational affordances often require saying something at least a little bit intimate about yourself. So even the faintest fear of rejection on either side can prevent conversations from taking off. That's why when psychologists want to jumpstart friendship in the lab, they have participants answer a series of questions that require steadily escalating amounts of self-disclosure. The main reason we don't create more affordances, however, is pure egocentrism. When we just say whatever pops into our heads, we may think we're making craggy, climbable, conversational rock walls when in fact we're creating completely frictionless surfaces. For example, I'm thrilled to tell you about the 126 escape rooms I've done, 
but my love for paying people $35 to lock me in a room blinds me to the fact that you probably do not give a hoot. I may even think I'm being generous by asking about your experiences with escape rooms when my supposed giving is really just selfishness with a question mark at the end. Enough talking about stuff I like. Time for you to talk about stuff I like. There is no known cure for egocentrism. The condition appears to be congenital. The best we can do is offer our interlocutors all sorts of doorknobs. Ornate French door handles, commercial-grade push bars, ADA-compliant auto-open buttons. And listen closely for any that they might give us in return. The best improvisers, like the best conversation partners, have very sharp hearing. They can echo-locate a door slightly left ajar, waiting for a gentle push from the outside. So the next time you find yourself slogging through a conversation that just ain't working, remember this little ditty. Give and take, take and take. It's about the affordances you make. Do not be a social slob. Use conversational doorknobs. He's a conversationalist. I added that last part just because it sounded good. But anyway, my friend, that is the article. Don't feel bad if you couldn't understand a lot of what he was saying, because as I was reading it, I recognized quite a few words and phrases that are pretty advanced or things that you might only hear in certain regions of certain countries. You know what I mean? But on the PDF file in the show notes for this episode, I'll put all the key words and vocabulary and explanations of all that so that you can follow along when you listen again uh, a second time. But now let me just recap the main takeaways Take a race. <laughs> Let me recap the main takeaways or the main lessons, the main points from this article. Okay. Adam says the clash between take and take versus give and take can lead to conversations either flourishing or collapsing, depending on the participants' approaches. Adam draws parallels between good conversation and improv comedy or improvisation comedy highlighting the importance of building on what others say and creating a collaborative dialogue. While givers and takers both have their strengths and weaknesses, the key is to offer and accept affordances in conversation rather than focusing solely on giving or taking. These affordances are what Adam refers to as doorknobs, which are opportunities for further discussion. And you have to give your partner something to work with, something that compels them to respond or ask for more. It's okay to be opinionated. It's okay to tell a personal story. In fact, there are many cases in which doing these things will help the conversation to thrive and feel more engaging. Now, like everything in life, great communication requires the right balance of give and take. And after reading this brilliant article, it seems to me that knowing when to give or take is the key to having better conversations with anyone you meet. I've told you before that the only way to get better at something is by doing it consistently in real-world situations. So start paying closer attention to the conversations happening around you and see if you can identify the natural givers and takers. Pay attention to the way conversations flow, but do it with this idea of give and take in mind. And most importantly, Put this idea of give and take into practice for yourself by having as many conversations as you possibly can. Talk to anyone and everyone. 
It doesn't matter if the conversation lasts for three minutes or three hours. Simply putting in the reps and learning from your mistakes and getting exposed to so many different people and communication styles will slowly but surely make you a better communicator. This is a skill that you can improve, but you've got to put in the work. This is Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kai Zen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.